There's a wee Scottish touch to that, isn't there, I think? Yes, the power of Christ working through his Holy Spirit. That's our theme for today, the Holy Spirit at work today. Each generation has to consider how it deals with the past. Past ideas, past religious movements, past political and civil, civil organizations and institutions. Some folks can start by rejecting most of what is old and criticize outmoded ideas and introduce new ideas, new information, new truth, and change the way we organize society. Every political party makes promises to change things, to make a more stable economy, a better education system, a more inclusive approach with opportunities for all, and then to get into power. <laughs> and people discover that real change is hard to make a reality. People often revert to old infighting, counterproductive patterns, like protecting their own position. It's what I would call capital I problem. Me first. Christian communities too follow a radical start, full of new enthusiasm and new life and new exuberance. The Wesleys left the ritual-bound Church of England to form the Methodist Church with its new dynamic of social dimension. Booth left the Church of England for a blood and fire salvation army to reach the poor and the exploited and the forgotten. The rather staid Episcopalians and the ritual-bound Presbyterian churches had new Pentecostal movements breaking out from the turn of the century to discover exuberant experiential worship. And more recent, community churches have sprung up free from large buildings and restrictive structures. The Holy Spirit will not be confined. God is at work in greater than we imagine. Our own church, with all its organizations, has been forbidden to gather in time of pandemic, and we've uh, had to go online, and you've been well uh, supplied with that, with audio and video programs and television and so on to meet the new challenges of our times. Now, the beginning of our Christian church occurred 50 days after the Jewish Passover festival, when the Holy Spirit swept through a company waiting for it of 120 followers of Jesus. They had been instructed by Jesus to wait in Jerusalem, not to leave it, for he was going to, he said, Jesus said, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was crucified at Passover, as you know. Jews brought their lambs for sacrifice to commemorate the great exodus from Egypt of the Hebrews. Jesus, the Lamb of God, died 
at that very same time, the Lamb of God offered to take away the sins of all people. And now on the Sabbath of Passover, a sheaf of barley, which was the earliest crop in Israel, was waved in the temple. And a measure of barley set out to indicate the first fruits of harvest. Perhaps at Passover. And then the counting began till the summer festival of weeks. In Hebrew, it's called Shavuos. And that means weeks. In other words, a week of weeks, 49 days. In Greek, it is Passover, eh, Pentecost rather. And the Pentecost means 50. And again, the seven weeks. And so the summer festival of one day after the first day of the week, Sunday, our Lord rose on that same day. And that's the same day. And when the church came, they saw the Holy Spirit coming to, upon the people in Jerusalem. Jerusalem would have been crowded for this Pentecost celebration, the early harvest celebration, first fruits. Pilgrims from all over the Mediterranean would have been loaded with gifts of corn and fruit and oil. But God had another harvest. The harvest of the Spirit. A spiritual harvest. And so the Spirit came at that Jewish feast in a very powerful way with the sound of a rushing wind sweeping through the temple courts and then the visible sign of tongues of flame over the heads of each of these 120 believers in Jesus. At nine o'clock in the morning it started and the Jewish crowds laden with their own gifts uh, coming to this harvest celebration could only stand in amazement. There before them, 120 believers jumping and waving their arms and praising God in so many languages. The pilgrims from all over the Mediterranean wanted to know what it meant. Some mocked them and said, oh, they've just had a wee bit too much to wine. And Peter took control. And he made his first joke. He said, nine o'clock in the morning, it's too early. The pubs aren't open yet. And then he began to tell them that God, that what God was doing that day, a new work of God was, had begun. He explained what had happened. God's spirit had now come in their midst. He explained why it happened. The man, Jesus, who was crucified was alive again. And the signs of God before them was proof of his risen reality. He then went on to explain what had happened for. What's it all for? It's that God wanted to save sinners everywhere from judgment and lead them to eternal life. And the good news, therefore, was being offered to all folks, not just Jews, all nations. Now, it's important to understand that the Spirit coming at Pentecost 
is not a mere antiquarian point of interest. Something that happened long ago, and well, it happened, and we can read about it in a book. It's unrelated to the core issues of life faced by us today, millennia later. The Holy Spirit's coming ushered in a new age of God working among everyone, Jew, Greek, all humanity. And that reality embraces our life as believers today. It's vital that we hear this message, that we open our hearts to God's Spirit and we continue to believe that Jesus is our Lord here and now. So the Holy Spirit filling believers. Three things I take from this passage of Peter's great sermon that day. The Holy Spirit filling believers created a power, a new power of praise. When you look at these ordinary men and women, you see there is a new apprehension of the majesty and the glory of God. The God of the whole earth. It gripped them and made them utterly convinced of all that Jesus said and did. That God was moving powerfully among them in saving power. We didn't leave out the reality of God's living presence among us all today. We didn't confine our faith to ideas or beliefs or concepts. God is a living being and we can meet with him. We meet with him here and now as we open our hearts. God's divine power is real. It's supernatural. It's beyond the articulation of words and human actions. And when we worship, the worship should, as it were, stretch our minds. When I was a boy, I used to um, read books about astronomy. And I used to think, when they told us how far the nearest uh, galaxy was and how many others, and I used to think of going out beyond it until my mind would almost burst. And the Spirit of God is a bit like that. It stretches us. I've been reading this recently, the Welsh revival of 1904. There are lots of different revivals. There's some good Scottish ones here locally here at Cambus Lang and at Kilsyth and in the Lewis revival. But I was reading about the Welsh one. There were, for months on end, some preachers were praying that the power of God would come upon the, the valleys and the, of the people of Wales. A preacher like uh, Reverend Joseph Jenkins prayed that God would take a lad from the mines or the fields and not from the universities to revive his work in Wales. At a convention of meetings to develop the Christian life, many young people began to gather week by week and numbers grew. And God touched the life of a chap called Evan Roberts. He was a miner. But he felt powerfully the spirit. And for months on end, he felt 
he should uh, uh, open his life completely to God's Spirit. He applied to train as a preacher, but three months into training, he felt God calling him back to, to Lochar, his hometown of Mariah Chapel, and speak to the young people there. Well, the church meetings were there, uh, and the, but the local minister obviously wasn't, he was a young lad, but he had this prayer meeting, and at the end of the prayer meeting, he said, well, uh, our brother, Evan Roberts, would like to say a few words if anyone likes to wait, and they all, most of them left home, left for home. But Evan Roberts started to speak. The people remained. And they began to share his experience of the power of the Holy Spirit in life. And for people to discover and call on the Spirit to revive the nation. And night after night, people came. And you know, they closed the meeting several times. And the people wouldn't go away. They stayed often till 3 o'clock in the morning. The Western Mail sent out reporters and they discovered the extraordinary scenes of this enthusiastic young man speaking in the language of the people. He told them four things. You must confess every known sin. You must put away every doubtful habit. You must obey the Holy Spirit promptly. Now means at once. And you must confess your faith publicly. And ordinary young folk began to meet. And between November 1904 and March 1905, Roberts traveled all over the Welsh valleys and thousands of lives were touched. You know, it is believed that 100,000 people were brought into the churches. That's outside. And the ones in, there were also thousands inside who were, who were converted as well. But the numbers... But 100,000 outside the church baptized. Local churches reported that crime was at an all-time low and the police had nothing to do except watch meetings. Judges were presented with a set of white gloves. They had no cases to try. People all over had been changed to become proper citizens. Homes had more food on the table and joy in their life. And I suppose the tradition of the Welsh singing and the praise still <laughs> echoes on to their day. Who can sing like the Welsh? Well, we need to pray for God's Spirit to fill us with praise today and to be prepared personally to remove every hindrance to his working in our midst. The power of praise. The Holy Spirit also brought a new power of proclamation. These ordinary people had vital facts to impart. Facts that had changed their own lives and would change all who opened their minds and hearts to the truth of what they had to convey. Amazing things had happened and they're beyond dispute, says the apostles. Jesus was crucified by the Jewish leaders. He died. We saw it. We testify it's true. But Jesus rose from death the third day. He appeared to them as victor over death and evil. And they say, we ourselves witnessed it. We saw him alive. And the resurrection of Jesus is authenticated. The, the, the person of Jesus as the Jewish Messiah, the one promised in the scriptures, 
He was God's sent one, God's savior. And even their scriptures foretold that God would one come among them in person to save sins and bring his people back to himself and defeat death forever. And he goes on to talk about David. David foretold Messiah, David died. But he spoke of one who was at the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand and I'll trample your enemies. And David spoke of the one in Psalm 16 who would not be abandoned to the world of the dead, but know the path up to life. And he said, look, that's Jesus. We have all witnessed this one who has come to life. We have seen him ascend to heaven and he is now at the right hand of the father and he has accepted his son. He has proved that who he was, the divine one. And he is pleased to pour out his spirit on all today. It's all been planned by him. But you killed the Jesus who God made Lord and Messiah. Now in our society today, we too have a witness to tell. For the reality of Jesus is surely clear to us too. And we can tell that. We can assure folk. It's not something that is pie in the sky. How the Lord has helped us, we can tell. When we felt help was beyond us. How we found the words when challenged to speak about our faith in Jesus. In your heart's honor, says Peter, would go on to say in his letter, in your heart's honor, Christ is Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Do it gently and respectfully. A new power of proclamation. They knew the facts. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit made a new body of believers. Peter was equally clear when people said, what will we do? If we've condemned the Messiah, what's, we're lost. Oh no, said Peter, you just must repent of your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus and be baptized and receive his spirit. You can be alive too. And 3,000 believed that day and the body of believers was born. And there was a new sense of awe. And there is the sense of God's presence. Opening your heart to the power of Christ and the presence of the Spirit brought them into a new sense of belonging. We're part of a great Holy Spirit family. We too realize today that we belong to one who forgives us. And that's a precious thing. There are so many folk who have got guilt bowing them down and remaining with them. We have forgiveness and we have one who gathers us into his family. And they had a desire to know more of the faith and surely we too must read and know more and more of this Jesus and follow this spirit. And so the apostles recounted the words and works of Jesus because there was no written records. It would take 30 years for the first written records to appear. But they told the message to the people 
What did he say? What did he say about this? And there was a new sense of belonging to Jesus and to one another. They had the good news of Jesus, the welcome into their life. They had the love of Jesus and the command to love one another. And they showed that love as Christian brothers and sisters. Now, the fact is, we are in exactly the same position as these early believers in Acts. We have the good news of the saving love of Jesus to believe in and to transform our life. We have God in our midst. The Holy Spirit who came then came to stay. He has never left. And he is in our midst too. We just need to tune in to him, to open the door of our heart and let him direct our life. And we have the worldwide fellowship of believers to which we belong. Our sisters and brothers in the Lord. And we have this local family here, our church. And so we have all we need down here on earth. The Lord to guide us daily. And his, we may know him and begin to know his voice speaking to us. We have all the resources beyond from heaven with Jesus interceding there in the glory of heaven beyond us. Oh, that we could see the great company beyond and bringing our names and our situation before God in heaven. We lost our electricity supply last week, our house and the next door one. There was a break in the cable between the mains and our house. Apparently the cable was a single cable and then there were two joins into the two houses and the problem was there. Yes, human connections. IT providers can break down. But we may never need to lose the heavenly connection for the Holy Spirit is the divine source of power, unbreakable, uninterrupted for us until we see the Lord face to face. And so we can take heart and keep rejoicing. The unity we have with this Holy Spirit in our life is something greater than any human differences we may have. So we can walk in the light of the Lord as the Spirit leads us, dwells within us. It's the Spirit of Christ and Christ works through the Spirit and we can trust him to see us safely home to the great eternal inheritance. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word today.